Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. Make no mistake, if you're an author, you're an entrepreneur. You're selling the world on your book, aren't you? Of course, it's not as easy as launching a business and then tossing any old book up on Amazon. That's why I help entrepreneurs publish books on the specific topic and in the specific way that will launch or grow their businesses. Welcome to Entrepreneur Publishing Academy with your professor, Anna David. Hey there, we're in episode two of my Metaverse special. This one is with an author. She's pretty incredible. I discovered her via her Substack. Y'all know what Substack is. If you don't Google it, we're not going to get into Substack right this second. And she actually published her first novel novel as a serial through Substack. Now, her second novel was crowdfunded using cryptocurrency. And her third novel, she's publishing as an NFT series. Um, and w- we got into all of that. And it was so, so, so educational. She explains how you can do the same thing. She And she thinks this is all really exciting, as do I, that this is like the first time since the Renaissance that artists have been so supported. So her uh, name is Elle Griffin. She uh, is uh, she's a newsletter about the future of publishing that's been featured in Business Insider, Publishers Weekly, a whole bunch of places. I highly recommend subscribing. She's editor-in-chief of Utah Business, freelance journalist, written for Forbes, startup, bunch of places. And she's also the co-founder of Cryptopia, a Web3 festival. So uh, that's it. You're going to love our conversation. I give you Al Griffin. Well, thank you, Al, so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. And it's nice to meet you. It's nice to meet you too. I discovered you, I believe, I believe the first time I discovered you was through Jane Friedman, possibly, how I discovered many things, subscribed to your newsletter, started reading it. And then I believe it was also Jane Friedman that wrote about how you were uh, minting your new novel as NFTs. And there is this amazing article that I read on Hacker Noon that's all about that. And I have just been fascinated by it. So so I would love to talk to you about your your process, how you got into this Web3 world, um, and what it's like as a writer to do this. So how did it start? Um, well, I've been following the Web3 world a little bit just because um, it's been really incredible what it's done for creatives. So if you've seen anything about NFTs anywhere, I mean, those are artists that are creating pieces of art. And now because it's this tech-centric product where the artist gets to retain ownership of their work and people can invest in it like they're investing in a stock, um, it's added all of this investment to the art world that just wasn't there previously. Like 
I mean, not even since the Renaissance have people been investing in art in this way. It's been really crazy. Um, so I've been really curious to see, okay, we've seen this play out for graphic artists, um, anything visual really. And I've been curious if it was going to play out at all in the publishing world. So artists that are written in the written word. Um, and there have started to be some players in this space and I kind of have watched them emerge. I think kind of the first one was the mirror platform and that was based on the Ethereum blockchain. Um, and that actually allows writers to, you could write a blog on mirror. Um, but if it's connected to your crypto wallet, you can, um, you know, by the time you're, once you publish it, the article lives on the blockchain and you can choose to, you know, press a little button and mint it as an NFT. And then you can sell that NFT and you can do crowdfunding on there. Um, and so there's been some really interesting things there. So I was just curious um, if there would be a possibility to kind of fund a novel that way. And there is one girl who did it already, Emily Siegel. She wrote, or, um, she said she was going to write a YA novel and she was going to crowdfund it using Mirror. And she did. I think she raised 25 ETH, which is like, I mean, ranges very like, but like around $80,000 um, essentially in advance to write her book. And then when she's done and she sells it, she's retaining 20% ownership of the work and everybody who invested in it can earn royalties. And it just seems like, well, this is a better deal than traditional publishing. Um, so I launched my own novel as an experiment. I didn't want to crowdfund an entire book because I was like, well, who knows, <laughs> who knows? Like I, there's still not a, um, there's still not a way to successfully publish the novel. You can like fundraise the novel, but then it's like, well, you're going to publish it in the traditional way. So I was like, all right, why don't I just, I'll say for every 0.25 ETH I raise, I'll write another chapter and, and you can even buy a chapter outright and I'll mint it as an NFT and give it to you if you, if you'd like. So I did that and I ended up just writing five chapters because I felt like it was the perfectly contained thing. And then I shut down the crowdfund. Um, and now I'm trying to sell it to an animated studio, um, an animation studio. So I think there's just so much potential here because in my, in my circumstance, it was like a very limited use case. It was really just so that I could write about, so I could write a newsletter for my newsletter right. uh, about how Web3 could work for writers in the future. So it wasn't really like a real thing. It was, a, it was like an experiment, um, kind of like performance art for my newsletter. Um, but I thought it was an interesting use case because here now we've got, I think I ended up with five people who funded the project um, and own chapters of it. And now it's a complete thing and they all want it to be successful. So if I sell it to an animation studio, let's say I, as the writer retain 20% ownership, they will all earn, earn on that sale, depending on what their stake in it is. And I just think that's such a fascinating model. Like you're essentially buying stake in somebody's art and then you want it to be successful. So you're like contributing to the success of that project. It's, it's just like very fascinating. That is so cool. So yeah, if you look at your page on Mirror, so it says the funding goal was just 0.25 ETH. So one chapter. Yes. And then it's always so lovely when you see like this number that, you know, that you raise that dwarfs the initial. Uh, it's so sad when you see the number of the goal and it's like tiny compared. Anyway, just the opposite of that. And so, so you put it out there and I've read that you just said, yeah, it was like as easy as pressing a button. Yeah. 
which I will say I am now exploring and, you know, even connecting, do you have your .eth name? Do you have your name, .eth? Even doing that, I found challenging. I had to get help. It's, quote, easy. I'm a Gen Xer. It's not so easy. Just going to be honest. I think doing all that connection stuff is not easy. Like once you're on Miriam, publishing on it is very easy, but it is very clunky to do anything on any kind of blockchain right now. So there, I mean, I've definitely had people write me since that article being like, okay, I started my mirror uh, campaign. Now what do I do? And I'm like, well, unfortunately you still face the problem of traditional publishing in that getting somebody to read your writing is still very challenging um, and getting somebody to know about your project, like any kind of discovery is still very challenging. I think what the Web3 world has that's interesting is the the model of a creator maintaining ownership of their work, but it's still like discovery is a long way off. I think ease of use is a long way off. How people are going to actually read this content is a long way off. So there's still a lot to be figured out. Well, what's interesting about it is... Um... It, and really Substack, which you're super involved in, it, it really, really made this clear. We delete newsletters often that we don't pay for, perhaps the same information written and we've invested in it. We've paid $5 a month and we do read it, which is fascinating. Yeah. And this idea that like, yeah, of course we all support each other, but this idea that you have support that's financial so that they're benefiting is just fascinating to me because, you know, as the web has grown and as everybody's a writer, there's just all this stuff out there and who's got time? How do we each find our readers? And placing value on it ourselves is how we do that. It's just fascinating. I think there are some, um, and I think we're still trying to figure out how this is going to work for writers, but there are some very interesting use cases. Like one of the things that I think could be really beneficial is in the fan fiction world, because right now, if you write fan fiction, say you write Twilight fan fiction, um, you can't monetize that as the author. Like you could have 20 million people reading your Twilight fan fiction, but because of copyright and permissions and everything, you can't sell that work or you can't sell merch or you can't do anything, you know, any way to monetize that because it's somebody else's creation. Well, with the Web3 world, one of these cases I think is entirely fascinating is the original author of Twilight could come out with an Edward NFT and a Bella NFT and a Jacob NFT. And then I could buy those characters and then use them in my own work and then I could sell my own work and the original author could get a kick of that because I'm using their characters. And so it like links back to the original author and kind of gets rid of the thing that authors hate about fan fiction is like, you're taking my work and running with it. You're like, okay, well, what if they take your work and run with it and you still get all the credit and you still even get a kickback on it? It seems like it kind of solves that problem. But it has to be an author that didn't publish traditionally because they have to own it. Otherwise, you know, Harper Collins or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Do you know of, I know Quentin Tarantino is, is getting very involved. Do you know of writers who are getting very involved and, and, and you know, big writers who are, you know, the twilight type who are, I mean, their stuff. I, I don't know individual writers who are doing it, but I know writing platforms that are integrating it. So like, I think Wattpad is going to be a big player in this space. I think that I'm, I'll be curious to see if AO3, 
um, and Royal Road get involved in this space just because they do operate in fan fiction um, and have have similar um, kind of built-in models for their authors where the authors do own their work. So any kind of platform where the writer already or our Substack, some of the Substack team members have talked about integrating Web3 eventually for the same reason. And I know you can even purchase um, a few crypt- of the crypto Substacks with crypto. Um, so I think there are starting to be use cases where the platforms that writers write on will be able to be monetizable using Web3 technologies. So, okay. So, so when exactly did you start your mirror uh, story? December of 2021. December. And um, how, how did you do it? Did you announce before? Um, what was the actual process? So um, what's interesting is um, it kind of started as a dare um, because I was, I had mentioned wanting to maybe write a biography of this tech guy in Utah. Um, and I was talking to another tech guy in Utah who was like, wait, no, write a biography about me. And I was like, uh, I don't know. And he was like, why don't you just write it as a, a, a fictional biography of me and you can put it on the, it'll be a bit about me in the metaverse. And then I was like, oh, that's such a funny idea. And so I was like, okay, what if I, what if I actually write this fictional novel about you in the metaverse? Um, and like, we'll just see what happens. And he was really gung ho. And this worked out to my advantage because he is a huge um, Web3 investor. In fact, he owns one of the largest angel investment firms in Utah and invests in Web3 technologies um, and startups. So it by centering him as the main character in my book, I was targeting the Web3 world inherently because anything about him, like he's like a character. He goes around dressed in Jesus robes and like a hot pink wig and like is giving out Bitcoin to people at like conferences. So, so by putting him as the central character that automatically drew in a tech crowd that is already into web three and already follows this guy. So I just said, I wrote a little like prologue as a kind of joke. And I was like, all right, here it is. What do you think? And he was like, oh my God, I love this. Let's do it. So I pressed publish on Mirror and launched the crowdfund. And then he actually funded the first chapter himself. And then that's when it started like, and then he like promoted it on his LinkedIn or something. And then people started coming in. So the story was very, the story is like a a fictional story of um, Scott Paul battling the forces of Mormonism in the metaverse. So it's like a very... NFTE subject like I don't think I don't think you can I don't think you can write just like a regular book and crowdfund it this way I think you kind of have to write for the world and so by centering the book there that's what kind of drew the attention and got people to invest and get excited about it well that's what I was going to ask you because most of the listeners are not writing NFT-esque metaverse stuff maybe they are they haven't told me so for now, do you think, so let's say somebody is writing a memoir. Do yeah. you think it makes sense to just, to put it on mirror, uh, to start that way? No, I think you should start a sub stack. <laughs> I think you have to, I mean, here's, here's the thing though, is I do think that writers should write for the platform they want to publish on, because I think too many writers right now just think 
oh, I'm going to write a book, but books have such a limited market. And I mean, it was like in 2020, only 268 books sold more than a hundred thousand copies and a hundred thousand was like so small. I mean, you think about the video world and how many movies see like millions of views compared to like one book got a million sales in 2020. So it's just, I think, I think it's important for writers to think about before they start writing something. Is this a book? Should I publish this on Mirror? Should I publish this on Substack? Should I publish this on TikTok or Twitter? Like, should I like think about the medium in mind and then write to that medium? I think you'll have a lot more success. And I think things like a memoir they do do really well on Substack. I mean, there's people you could, you can write a, spend three years writing your memoir and sell it as a novel to Harper Collins or Penguin Publishing House and sell a thousand copies of it tops. Or you can have, um, you can have a thousand people following your Substack and you debut a new chapter every week of your own personal story and, ha- and if they pay you for it, then you'll earn a hundred thousand dollars a year as opposed to like the you know, $2 you'd get from the book sales. So I just, I think it's important to think about what, what mediums would be most, most read, most monetizable when you're right. Okay. Cause I have the counter argument to Substack, which is okay. I, um, pay for a few. And, uh, you know, I come from the generation where we could write for magazines and we could get up to $4 a word. And okay. it was, I know. And then <laughs> it was really the Huffington Post. Suddenly disappeared and suddenly people were writing for free. And suddenly like you're begging for a dollar a word. Then you're begging for 25 cents a word. Then you're paying the way people are Forbes to write. So it just it just changed. And so I really adjusted my thinking about it. And so that's why what I'm always preaching, and listeners know this, is have a business that supports your book. You will never make any money. Yeah. So what is, you know, so for example, I have this business where we publish books for entrepreneurs. We write and publish them. So I write books that will bring in those clients. And so when I'm reading these brilliant authors and, and I'm like, I'm paying them $5 a month, like these people who are sometimes writing like every day or three times a week. And and it feels wrong. It doesn't feel wrong enough that I insist on paying them more, but mm-hmm. there's something about it that I'm like, they, they're worth more than a hundred grand a year. And if they had a business, they would make that. I don't know. Where do, what are you, where do you stand on that? Anna here. Now, are you an entrepreneur who wants to write and publish a book about your own failures turned successes? Well, good news, that's what my company, Legacy Launchpad, does. Find out more at LegacyLaunchpadPub.com. That's LegacyLaunchpadPub.com. Now, should you do a book, you ask? I think so. Why? Because you're worth it. Now back to the show. Um, I think that it depends on what you want to write. I mean, there are there are subsec writers making a million dollars a year from their work. And I think it's, you definitely, if you're going to have a Substack and you want it to be financially successful, you definitely have to think about it. Like you're saying, like a business, you're not just going to write about some like super niche thing and just like accidentally make a living doing it. Cause you're on Substack. You have to actually think like, like I'm, I'm definitely approaching my Substack from the standpoint of like, could this earn me a living? Could I one day just write a Substack, um, and that be my whole job? Like that's my, that's my dream. Um, and so, and 
fortunately, there are a bunch of people that are doing that on Substack. And I was recently part of the Substack Fellowship Program, and my mentor was making, I know, more than $300,000 a year from her Substack. And all she does is write one article a week. Um, and I was just like, okay, so I think that there, there's a way to do it, but, and, um, and there, I think that there is kind of a, okay, so $5 a month doesn't seem like that much to you to get four posts a month or maybe six. Um, but if there's a thousand of you doing that or 2000 of you doing that, or 10,000 of you doing that, then that's like a really good living for the author. Um, and and there are, I, I guess it is like, if you think about that as an ongoing cycle, it can be exhausting. Like, oh, as an author, I have to write an article every single week to make my living. But a lot of authors have built-in breaks and are treating it like seasons with like all of December off and all of J- July off. And 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 the the readers don't mind. So I think that there's definitely a play there. And it's that's a play that I'm working on. But I think that... Um, it's just, you have to treat it like a business, like you are with your yeah. writing. Yeah. And, and so Substack, and I actually don't know the answer to this. Um, anybody could start one. Cause at first it wasn't that way. Correct. You had to be invited. Yeah. They, uh, I, I think it was only two years ago that they like got insane funding and have now been investing intensely in it and have really tr- attracted a huge following. So in the last year, it has really come to prominence and gotten just humongous and anybody can get on and write for free. I mean, completely free, like Substack doesn't even pay, um, take any money until you're earning money. So it's like, if you think about the early days of like writing a WordPress blog and having a MailChimp newsletter, like you were paying $60 a month just for your MailChimp newsletter, plus like web hosting and your blog and your WordPress theme. And like, that's just like all part of the Substack stack. So it's like the most, it's the easiest time it's ever been to write as a writer. I love that. No. So let me ask your advice as someone like me, who's got everything on Kajabi, you know, Kajabi with, you know, no. so I, I, oh, it's, it's kind of awesome if you want to do everything. So it's courses, email, um, you know, my businesses run on it. Um, do you think, and I send a newsletter every Thursday, which I hope you all subscribe to, do you think it would make more sense to do a sub stack? Like for someone like me? Um, so what do you charge for your courses? Um, it depends everywhere from like $97 to 997, depending on what the course is. You have a lot of different tiers and you're, and you're essentially monetizing your courses. Yeah. I'll be honest, not nearly enough. Most of my, my, I dream of the passive income and, uh, it's really active (laughs) income from our clients. Um, I, I, I haven't quite found the way to, I have so many amazing courses, haven't quite found the way to monetize them. I mean, a little bit. I think it, I think it depends on what you want to monetize because like if it's, I know that now with Substack, you have three, um, content options. You can do a newsletter, a podcast, or a video. Um, and I know that you can choose to like podcasts are only for paid subscribers or videos are only for paid subscribers. So you could have video courses that like come out and are published to your paid subscribers on Substack, which could be really cool. But there's only two kinds of, um, there's only two tiers. So you can, you can only pay 
um, like however much you want to charge for monthly. And then there's like a founding level tier. So like, for example, I charge $10 a month or $50 a year to subscribe to um, my newsletter and my newsletter paid options are that you get access to my writer resources and my um, uh, interviews, which are both written content. Um, And then I have a $200 tier that's for everybody who wants to receive an annual print magazine and the print copies of my books when they're done. And so, um, but you couldn't do more than that. I know that they do it that way for a reason because they're like, they're like two tiers is the best you can, you know, like, I don't know, the best it'll perform on the market, I guess. But so I think you could do that if you wanted to do it that way. It's just like, how do you want to publish your content? Well, so are you, why don't you have a course and maybe you do, do are developing it on how, how to do this? Like, how, do, I mean, you need to be the person who creates a course on, you know, right. <laughs> you on how to set things up on, you know, mirror, how you should have the dot ETH address, how, um, like that, the, the, just talk about this process of how you did it and you, but I just feel like courses are so competitive, which is one of the reasons mine don't sell that well, because there are so many courses about like how to write a book and how to publish a book, but there aren't these courses yet. I, it doesn't even exist. How a writer can work in the metaverse in web. Yeah. Well, it, that's the thing is, is it's not working at all right now. Like not, no writer is earning a living from web three right now. This but is you're earning money. Yes, earning money, but it's very experimental right now. And I think, and I think it'll continue to be experimental until we have one platform that becomes the day rigger thing. And honestly, I think it's not going to be a web three platform. I think it's going to be a traditional platform that adds web three features like Substack or Wattpad or Medium turning, like adding, turning that on for their writers. Um, And so well, it's just like a matter of who's going to do it first and who's going to do it really well. And that's where everyone will go. But yes, who's going to be at the front of the line, the people who understand it like you. Yeah. 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 Um, totally. And the people who take your course that you should create. Um, <laughs> and so, and so I wanted to ask a practical question about mirrors. So, so you put it out there, it gets funding. How quickly did you write your chapter? I wrote one every week. So like if I, my goal is to put one out every Wednesday. So if my, chapter was funded by Friday. I had a new chapter written by Wednesday. Um, it wasn't that hard because my chapters are very short. They're designed for this world and people don't have a long reading span. So it worked out. Um, but I know that like the other girl that founded or crowdfunded her novel, Emily Siegel, she funded the whole thing up front and now it's been probably a year or so. And her book's still not out because she's writing a full book. So it's going to take a while to see kind of how that comes to fruition. Okay. So as of today, in looking at it, you have 2000, the, you know, equivalent of $2,097. Have you gotten any of that money in your bank account? Like for people who don't understand how this totally works like me, how does that work? The second you close your your crowdfund, you get access to that money. So the second I closed my crowdfund, all of that Ethereum went straight into my crypto wallet, which I just use Coinbase. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, and so now you've got these. Um, sorry, it's four or five, chapter five chapters. And um, and so so what is your next move in terms of figuring what to do? 
So I did the animation. Would you you explain that to me? Like, what do you mean animation studio? So for example, you know, my novel, or I guess it's short story, um, but Scott Paul battles the forces of Mormonism in the metaverse. I kind of thought it's like such a weird um, concept and it's very like, you know, he's shooting up into a planet in a pink bubble and the angel Moroni is like blowing bubbles and like Ashton Kutcher's there on the moon, like, and just like weird stuff's happening. So I just felt like first that has to be animation. And second of all, who's into like metaverse animation and Mormonism. I was like, this should be, this should be a South Park episode, you know, like I just kind of thought of, you can think of uh, shows that would do really well with it. So I just thought, okay, that'd be really fun. And I'll just see what, what I can get. And it would be so interesting to like fund a, uh, like television show that way, like to, so I don't know if anything will ever come of it, but it's an interesting model and I'm, I'm going to replicate it soon. I wrote a, um, I purchased an NFT that was part of Loot Project, um, which was one of the only text-based NFTs that that has ever been produced. Um, And basically what the project was is they debut like four words or five words, and they might be like demon crown or um, grimoires or some sword. It's like all these kind of loot items you might get in like a video game or like a fantasy video game. Um, And so I bought one that has like, very had very unique attributes in it. And then I wrote a story around those, like using those items in the story. Um, and so I'm going to debut that one shortly. I'm trying to figure out the best way to publish it because my thinking was, okay, I've written this story about this mage queen who has these grimoires and this crown and she has these powers. Um, and I can, I can say, okay, here's the story. Um, now, now, now I need 12 people to step up and go on this quest. And so that opens it up for any writer to then go purchase their own loot and go on one of the quests with those items and can kind of like create this, this, I basically created the world and now anybody can go write in it with their own NFT items. Um, and so that's what I want to debut next. And I'm curious to see, to see what, what will happen then. Um, maybe after the project is over, I can then sell my original NFT that I purchased for more money because now it's part of the story. Um, so the, I think there's a lot of interesting things that could happen and I'll definitely be exploring more. How many NFTs do you personally have of other people's? Not very many. I think I have, I'm looking at my crypto wallet right now, probably five. Have you resold anything yet? Um, no, I don't know how to do that. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> um, I see them sitting in my phone on my little crypto wallet, but I don't really know what I can do with them from there. Yeah, it's, you know, I highly recommend the person that I, so I I, I told you and listeners know this, I'm doing a, a series. I'm doing a series of three on how writers can get involved in this world. And so the previous woman that I interviewed, well, she talked about a couple of things. She said, if you want to get in the NFT world, first explore as a buyer. No, for yeah, first explore as a buyer, set up your open sea, buy something, then ex- explore as a personal thing yeah. and then professional because you want to do your research that way. Um, and one thing that she suggested, I'm curious on your take on this. She she suggested writing a book that you're planning to publish tr- publish traditionally, but have something in the bit in the beginning that's just, 
you ha- you sell as an NFT. So you're kind of combining the the two worlds. What do you think of that idea? Well, if you're if you're publishing it traditionally, then it's going to be owned by your publisher. No, I sorry, I meant like p- putting out a paperback copy yourself. Okay, yeah, like if you self publish, you can for sure do that. And I think personally, I think this would be very interesting for Royal Road because authors that write on Royal Road are all writing lit RPG genre stuff, which is like, you know, players are kind of in a video game world and it uses like video game terminology in the stories where you like suddenly the main character like finds a sword and it has this power, these powers, and that like contributes to the storyline. Why not make that an act, an actual NFT that people can like buy that sword? Um, it's like similar to buying merch. Um, if you would buy merch now from an, an author, like a fairy, uh, Harry Potter wand or something, or like if you would, um, were actually in a video game, you might buy like things yeah. to give yourself more power. Um, why not bring that into the publishing world? What is it? A lit RPG? Lit RPG. It's literary role-playing games. Oh my God. That's what it stands for. Um, well, this is fantastic. There was one other question that I was going to ask you that I already forgot. Um, maybe it will come back to me as I, as I say these words, but it hasn't. Um, what, so, so, oh, oh, I know what it is. So, so this, let's say this memoir writer that, that is there anywhere, if it's not mirror, where would, where would they start if they wanted to explore this world? Um, so I think if it's, if it's memoir, as it's in your personal story, Substack. If it's oh yeah, cookbook, if it's cookbook, Substack. If it's a lit RPG, Railroad. If it's a YA novel, Wattpad. If it's a romance novel, Kindle Unlimited. But but Substack is not. You can't mint anything as an NFT on Substack. No 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 no. Um, but, but if they want to get into this world, because who who are your readers? Like if you're writing a memoir. The people that are going to be your readers are probably people that are interested in you, not necessarily people that are familiar with Web3. Unless you are like a Web3 personality, um, in which case maybe that works. But I feel like you have to think about who your readers are. And if your readers are not like a tech, a techie audience, then like the Web3 world probably isn't right just yet. Unless you're going to be the one that introduces them to the Web3 world. Yeah, but even even in my like I have 4000 newsletter subscribers on Substack and none of them invested in my NFT novel. Um instead five people donated like $1000 each who are like really techie web3 people that found me on Twitter. So, it's I it's just different worlds. Yeah. I mean, I think you're doing a favor for anybody who kind of goes, "Wait, I don't understand this world." it's time to get in it, get in when you're an early adopter. And so you're offering them an opportunity, but opportunities are scary and weird. So I get, you know, I'm, I'm right at the cusp of entering this world. So I get it, but Hey, anyone listening, um, well, it's too late. Your funding closed, but for your next one, go invest. You guys just put, get a Coinbase wallet, buy some of this stuff. I'm not a financial web three advisor, but, but I I just highly recommend educating yourself about it. And this is the way to do it by getting involved. Yeah. You have to learn by doing in this world. So, um, thank you so much, Al. Um, if people want to find you, where should they go? Yeah, follow my Substack, lgriffin.substack.com. Sorry. 
has some sun singing. Oh, it's a lovely ring though. Um, follow her Substack and substack.com. There you go. And you're on Twitter. <laughs> yes, I am, but mostly on Substack. Okay. I might well, get rid of my Twitter eventually. <laughs> I'm getting back into Twitter. Uh, I'm I deciding it's very back. hot and cold with it. <laughs> so I feel you. Um, okay. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, I will, I will talk to you next week. Yay. Thanks for joining me this week on Entrepreneur Publishing Academy with Anna David. For more info about the show, go to entrepreneurpublishing.academy where you can get links to show notes and subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, and all the other places. Speaking of those places, if you got anything out of this show, I can't tell you how much I'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. And please... Don't forget you can tell an author or entrepreneur friend about the show. Another forget-me-not, my company Legacy Launchpad Publishing is available to help industry leaders and those with stories to share at any stage in their publishing journeys, whether that's writing, editing, or publishing. Just go to LegacyLaunchpadPub.com to find out more. And be sure to tune in next week for next week's episode. You know, if you subscribe, you never have to worry about missing one.